0: The sun embraced me and warmed my face. The tickle of the breeze upon my skin held rhythm with the waves licking the shore. The morning was like a glorious dream with a beauty that no artist could capture. The healing and loving hands of nature around me seeped into my soul with its nurturing fingers. I was lost in the moment and I did not want to be found. Yet I was found, but by no man. No, as I looked down the shore, I saw the most beautiful animal that any god could have created. It was looking at me. This ethereal horse was looking at me longingly, as if it had wandered from a fairy tale. As I stood taking in its splendor, it trotted towards me, standing in front of me, multiplying the magnificence of the day, was a beautiful black horse. Although I knew this was no mere horse, in all its majesty I could only see an equine goddess. It was glistening as the sun's rays reflected like a million tiny rainbows off the droplets of water covering its sinewy grace. The refracted light ran from this giant's long face to the end of her tail. The sheer beauty brought a tear to my eye that dropped down my cheek the dream must not be shattered not yet reaching for the bridle i pulled it to me the magical beast looked into my soul with eyes like emeralds that had been laid in the sun with a starburst exuding from everywhere and nowhere all at once in what felt like a mere moment i was on her back and her muscles tensed as she prepared to run into the wind. I gripped the horn of the saddle with all my might. The powerful beast became one with the wind as she sped forward. Laughter poured from me like coins tinkling into a glass. My heart hammered with excitement and freedom as this otherworldly animal began to tear off through the sand. I was so lost in this moment that I didn't notice the thick goo beginning to envelop my feet. I felt as if I was in a trance, and this rod was no longer magic. It was cold and sticky. I felt immediate impending doom, and my equine friend looked back at me, no longer with emeralds and crystals for eyes. There in the face of this equine goddess, I could see hellfire in her eyes, And in my fear, I could see a sneer on her lips. I felt my feet turn to ice. I looked down to see my body was trying to merge with hers. I had to turn my head away as I felt the cold terror running along my spine. I noticed when I looked behind me that the tail that just minutes before had glistened from the damp droplets now looked all wrong. It was longer and it was fuller now. But it looked greenish, and it was full of seaweed where it had previously been so pristine. I jerked my head forward again when I felt the shift of the horse's position. This thing was making a turn toward the water. I still couldn't get my feet free from the melding with the horse's body. We were at the water's edge now. I, the unwilling prisoner, and this beautiful monster, the all-powerful Executioner. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Kelpie, the ancient Scottish water horse, a beast that has malevolent intentions. This show is part of the EerieCast podcast network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to Carmen at gmail.com. That is, C A R M A N C A R R I O N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. I want to send a big thank you to Shandy from Van Buren, Arkansas for this week's story. I had never been out of the United States, and it was my dream to travel through Scotland before I started university after high school. I had worked a part-time job since I had turned 16. Every penny went into my travel savings. I had saved a total of two years' worth of paychecks, rarely dipping into my savings for anything. I had opted not to own a car, like so many of my other classmates. Rather, I used public transportation to get around to and from school. The day I graduated was one of the happiest moments of my life. I was finally free to travel. I had enough with my savings and what I was gifted from my family and friends to turn my long-time dream of exploring Scotland into a reality. I must have beamed as I counted out my money and began the necessities to travel overseas. My parents fretted about my trip, but I would not be hindered. I dreamt of Scottish castles and the villages of old that remained. I wouldn't let this chance slip through my hands. I had studied much of the Scottish lore because I was enamored with the thoughts of fairies and silkies and, of course, old Nessie. I knew none of it was real, but the thought of these mythical creatures still captured my imagination and made my trip feel that much more enchanting. Oh, how naive I was. By the time I landed, I was completely feeling the effects of jet lag. I looked at my itinerary and found the hotel I was going to stay in for the first couple of days there. I found my room, and there I slept for several hours. I woke up feeling very refreshed and ready to explore. My first stop was the Eileen Dolan Castle. Yes, it is well known for the castle buffs such as myself, and I can tell you why. It is on its own island, the castle taking up much of the landmass. It is surrounded by where the three sea locks meet, In all the Scottish Highlands that is one of the most coveted of castles. It is steeped in rich lore and history, both things that were a must-have before I started this grand adventure. I could not believe my eyes. It towered so high, covered in so much luscious greenery. I walked around running my hands along the stone, allowing the castle's zeitgeist to seep into my soul. There was much war that happened around the Eileen Dolan Castle, but here it stood, tall and grand, aged like a fine wine. My heart could barely contain my excitement and wonder. For fun, our tour guide began to tell us some Scottish lore, and my excitement grew. One creature he lingered on was called a Kelpie. I had not run across this creature in my readings, I was freaked out by the description of this hell horse, but I would be lying if I didn't admit it captured my imagination. When he had finished telling us about this water spirit that generally showed itself as a horse, but could also take on the form of a human or most anything else, he told us how the Loch Ness Monster was believed by many to be an overgrown Kelpie that chose to take the shape of a sea serpent. He left no hellish detail of the Kelpie out of his tales. Admittedly, I was happy when the tour guide switched gears and told us of the sweet Silky. The tour guide was a sketchy fellow in my opinion. He seemed brutish and didn't have the usual finesse you would expect from someone showing you the most famous castle in all of Scotland. At some point, I found myself wandering away from our group, and I began to explore the grounds. I took the bridge from the castle on its island, and walked back to the mainland. There I couldn't stop my curious nature from walking into the woods just a few steps away from me. The trees were grown so close together that they made a dark canopy on the forest floor. Immediately, the thoughts of the Kelpie Hellbeast story creeped back into my mind. However, I pushed further into the overgrown wood.
1: With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
0: There is a magical creature that takes on the form of both horses and humans in Scottish folklore and this creature, whether myth or legend, has been around for hundreds of years. Using their mystical beauty, they lure people to their deaths. This creature is known as the Kelpie, a shape-shifting, magical water horse with murderous intent. Kelpies are one of the most famous aquatic spirits in Scottish folklore, haunting the lakes, rivers and streams in their land. The horse is the most common form taken by the Kelpie, usually appearing either black or white with a mane that seems to be dripping wet. In horse form, the Kelpie appears with a saddle and bridle to attract attention. Those attracted to the animal's beauty would be drawn to the animal and attempt to sit on its saddle and ride it. However, once they sat on the saddle, they would become stuck there by some magical form of adhesive. Once the rider was unable to dismount, The Kelpie would then gallop straight into the water, taking their victim to its depths, where they would drown and finally devour them. It is believed that once they devour a human, they will throw the entrails onto land for everyone to find. In human form, the water horse may appear as a beautiful young woman, hoping to lure men to their watery death. They may also take the form of a hairy human, Lurking by the river, ready to jump out at unsuspecting travelers and crush them to death in a vice like grip. In some versions of the legend, the water horse has a mane of snakes. Its hooves are backwards, and when it transforms into a human form, it will retain its hooves. If you think a man or a woman may be a Kelpie, look for water weeds in their hair. Like many water spirits, the Kelpie can control the water, summoning up floods to sweep travelers away. Legend says that the Kelpie's tail makes a sound like thunder when entering the water. The Kelpie is dangerous, whether you encounter it on water or land. Some say that if you are close to a body of water and you hear a wailing or a howling, you should take care. It could be a Kelpie warning another of an approaching storm. Kelpies have the strength of ten horses, and the stamina of many more. Its bridle is endowed with magical properties, and it can only be captured when it appears without its bridle. If the bridle is shaken or waved towards someone, it can transform that person into a horse or a pony. Using a bridle stamped with the sign of the cross is the one sure way to allow the capture and control of the Kelpie. Once captured, you can harness its power. The Kelpie's weapon of power may also be its weakness, because legend has it that if you get a hold of a Kelpie's bridle, you will have command over it and any other Kelpie, but only someone crazy would try to harness a beast so powerful. It is rumored that the McGregor clan have a Kelpie's bridle, passed down through the generations and said to have come from an ancestor, who took it from a Kelpie near loch sloaked. One sure way to kill a Kelpie is by using the method used to kill many other supernatural creatures. That way would be to shoot it with a silver bullet, which would turn it into a strange jellyfish-looking pile of squishy mass. The origin of the Kelpie legend is believed to be rooted in human sacrifices to the water gods. It is believed that over time these gods became Kelpie. Throughout history there has been a belief in water spirits, harmful and benign, in cultures around the globe. There are also links to Norse and Irish traditions in which horses were sacrificed to the gods and perhaps the Kelpie is a vengeful spirit of one of these horses. Water spirits are often fickle and dangerous in legend and people who live near water would leave offerings to placate the gods and ward off disaster. Some of these traditions are still done today, but hopefully not the ones with human sacrifice. The Kelpie may also be a type of Scottish fairy horse, as some believe. The leading theory is that they are horses who escaped their fae masters and hid in the water when the fairies came looking for them. Today, the legends are thought to have served the practical purpose of keeping children away from dangerous rushing waters or warning adolescent girls to be wary of attractive strangers. And maybe the stories did arise from the long ago time when horse sacrifices were practiced in ancient Scandinavia. In historical times, when superstition was at the center of many pagan cultures, demons and water spirits were a possible way of rationalizing the drowning Of young children who had accidentally slipped on dangerous riverbanks much like the boogeyman because we can never have enough of those the stories of the Kelpies were also told to scare children into good behavior they were told that the Kelpies would come after children who behaved badly most sizable bodies of water in Scotland have a Kelpie story associated with it The Loch Ness Monster is believed by many to be a Kelpie and is the most well-known and widely reported. Kelpies have been the subject of artwork dating back to the Pictish stones from the 6th and 9th centuries. The stones feature what has been dubbed the Pictish Beast and may have been the earliest representation of a Kelpie or Kelpie-like creature. Victorian artist Thomas Millie Dow sketched the Kelpie in 1895 as a melancholy, dark-haired maiden balanced on a rock. Herbert James Draper, an English painter, portrayed Kelpies as poolside maidens with an oil-on-canvas painting in 1913. Two still sculptures, almost 100 feet each in height, named the Kelpies, form an imposing site near Falkirk, Scotland. The sculptures, which appear to rise out of the ground, were designed by sculptor Andy Scott, and were completed in October 2013. The Kelpies are a monument to horse-powered heritage across Scotland, and were inspired by the Kelpie legend. It was built to bring people together, not only from Scotland and the rest of Europe, but from all corners of the world. There are numerous stories about the Kelpie, which vary depending on which region they are from, One of the most common and well-known of these stories is Ten Children and the Kelpie. As the story goes, there were ten children who one day came across a beautiful horse by the river. The children were fascinated by the beauty of the creature and wanted to ride it. However, only nine of them climbed onto the horse's back, while the tenth kept a distance. As soon as the children were on the Kelpie's back, They got stuck to it and couldn't get off. The Kelpie chased the 10th child, trying its hardest to eat him, but the child was quick and escaped. In an alternate version of the story, the 10th child stroked the creature's nose with his finger which got stuck to it. Realizing the danger he was in, the child cut off his finger and cauterized it with a piece of burning wood from a fire he found burning nearby. In a more gruesome version of the tale, the child's entire hand was stuck to the Kelpie, so he took out his pocket knife and cut it off at the wrist. By doing this, he managed to save himself, but his nine friends were dragged underwater by the Kelpie, never to be seen again. Most of the stories tell of Kelpies in the form of beautiful horses, but there are a few about the creature in human form. One such story is the tale of the Kelpie and the Fairy Bull, which was told to keep children away from the lakeside. Here's how the story goes. Many years ago, a family were farming the land to the north of a long, thin loch. They knew about the beasts of the lochside and were not surprised when one of their cattle gave birth to a huge black calf with red-rimmed nostrils and a fiery temper because sometimes the fairy bulls would get in amongst the crofter's cows, and their fairy blood was welcome in the herds. But this fairy bull calf was wilder than most, bigger, faster growing, and with a rare bad temper. So the crofter locked him in a pen to try to tame him, but all he did was eat and grow and bellow. One day, the crofter's daughter was walking along the lock. She was, as always, wary of saddled horses, but she wasn't concerned when a young man stepped out in front of her. He was dressed in fine blue clothes, had long wild hair, and a very charming smile. Would you do me a favor, young lady? Of course. Would you lend me a comb? She had a comb in her apron pocket. So she handed it to him, and he began to get the tangles out of his hair. But he was struggling with the hair at the back of his head, and as he raised his eyebrows at her and grinned, Would you mind? So she sat on the ground, and he lay his head in her lap, and she began to tease and tug at the knots in his hair. His hair was a little damp, which was odd, as there had been no rain since yesterday. But even otter. There was waterweed, stringy lumps of green stems and leaves wound into his hair. That's why it was so hard to comb out. Waterweed and damp hair. The girl's combing fingers slowed. This wasn't a handsome young man. This must be the beast from the log, changed not into a horse but into a man to try to trick unwary locals under the waves. Her fingers began to move again but this time she hummed as she combed lullabies and love songs until the man dozed off. She untied her apron leaving his head upon it as she stood up carefully. She started to run for home but she heard a roar of rage behind her Then she heard the sound she had dreaded, not feet running after her, but hooves. She would never make it all the way back to the croft, not chased by a four-legged water horse. Then she realized she was running past the pen of the fairy bull. She used the comb to flick the latch up and she kicked the pen open and she took cover behind the gate as the angry black fairy bull stormed out, right into the path of the white water horse. The bull bellowed and the horse screamed and they bit and they kicked and they reared and the Kelpie forgot all about the girl who ran home as fast as she could the noise of the fight fading behind her. As she reached the door of the croft she looked around the bull and the horse a whirling battle of white mane and black horns had forced each other all the way to the lock side Suddenly the hooves slipped and slid and the beasts vanished beneath the waves and neither of them has ever been seen since. But it's probably still wise, even all these years later, not to let the kids play outside on the lock side. References to the legendary creature have surfaced in pop culture. The movie Water Horse, Legend of the Deep, Directed by Jay Russell and written by Robert Nelson Jacobs, was released in 2007. The production was based on a children's novel written by Dick King Smith. The story set in 1942, on the shore of Loch Ness, Scotland, a young boy named Angus finds an unusual egg. When it hatches, it releases a surprise, a water horse, the legendary creature from Scottish mythology. While the boy tries to keep its existence hidden from his mother, he and his new pet, Crusoe, quickly become inseparable. But as the water horse grows larger, eventually becoming the fabled Loch Ness Monster, Angus must protect his friend from those who would want to do it harm. The infamous Kelpie was included by J.K. Rowling in her book, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, where it is argued that the Loch Ness Monster is little more than an oversized Kelpie, who prefers to appear as a sea serpent rather than a horse. The creature was also mentioned many times in the Harry Potter series, finally making an appearance in the Harry Potter trading card game. Classic rock group Jethro Tull also recorded a song titled Kelpie, which describes a young woman being pursued by a Kelpie in the form of a young man who wishes to steal her soul to the deep. Towering statues, poetry, music, stories and movies, the Kelpie legend has left a lasting impression in history. When walking along the water's edge alone, especially at night, heed the legends and remember the stories. The Kelpie, though magical and beautiful, may seduce you into the ride of your life, but most likely... It will be your last one. As I was walking deeper into the unknown forest, I finally noticed the sun was setting, and it was growing even darker in the woods that held who knows how many ancient secrets. I had allowed my imagination and curious nature to carry me much deeper into the dense hollow than I intended. I turned back, And to my horror, I was immersed in green foliage as far as I could see. My heart began to beat, faster and faster, and I felt sweat pricking at my forehead. I was so mad at myself, I began to yell for help, hoping the group was still around. However, no one called back. It was growing darker, and my panic was growing too. I started to run to find myself blocked by gnarled trees. I turned and ran another direction, only to be met by the same fate. I felt I was seeing the same trees over and over again. I walked over to a creek that I had stumbled onto while I was exploring and daydreaming about Scottish princesses of old. How would I ever find my way out? I began to sob as the predicament sunk into reality even further. I was sitting on the damp earth and my sobs had slowed to tears just falling from my eyes. Suddenly I felt a hand on my shoulder and I jumped out of my skin. I turned to see a woman standing behind me with a serene look on her face. She smiled at me wanly and I felt my fears begin to deteriorate. She had long black hair down past her waist, it hung like silk. Her eyes were the greenest I had ever seen in my life. Her beauty took me aback. I was so relieved I didn't notice she was barefoot, and the bottom of her dress was mud-riddled. She didn't speak, she put her hand out to me, and I took it, as she helped me off the forest floor. I followed her without question because I was beyond elated to be with another person. This strange, ethereal beauty took me to a camp. It was dimly lit with a small fire. I couldn't see much around me except there were two tents. She led me into one, still holding my hand. There was a pot of soup simmering. It looked odd. There were chunks of meat that looked like pork chunks, but not really. However, I was starving, and didn't question it when she pushed a bowl of the strangely fragrant stew into my hands. I ate the food hungrily and greedily. As I tried to sleep that night, I couldn't stop waking up from the dreams of monsters. The Kelpie story from the tour group leader kept invading my sleep. I realized his stories had gotten to me on a deeper level than I had first thought. I tried to lay back down, my back to this strange woman who didn't speak. She snored slightly, obviously resting better than me. I noticed there were still embers of the fire lighting the outside just a bit. I sighed deeply and decided to go out of the tent for some fresh air. As I exited the tent, I looked over at the second tent. I hadn't been in there and she never even acted like it was there. Curiosity once again overwhelmed me. I walked to the second tent gingerly, trying not to snap any twigs or make any other noises. I reached a shaky hand out to pull the flaps of the tent opening back. I felt sweat pricking my forehead again as my heart thundered in my chest. I slowly pulled the opening flap back. To my horror, I saw the most gruesome image. There was at least two ripped human carcasses. There was blood pooling on the ground, and the smell assaulted my senses. I began to shuffle back and lost my stomach's contents as I realized this must have been what she fed me. Running and running, I could hear a guttural neighing and whinny. The man had told us lore, a simple myth. There was no way this was happening to me. I looked behind me and could see those green eyes, now wild and bright like beams of light closing in on me. I no longer heard footsteps. The steps from human feet now thundered like the hooves of animals that were coming for me. I began running harder than I ever had, hoping against all odds I could outrun this Kelpie. I just couldn't get my mind around this. In the moonlight, I saw what looked like a cave nestled in a hill. Instincts drove me to what I hoped would be my salvation. It was a tight squeeze, but I made it in and tucked my legs up to my chin. I laid there like that for what felt like an eternity until I began to see the sun rising. I slowly exited the hidey hole that very easily could have been my grave. I began to run despite both of my legs being asleep and feeling the pins and needles was excruciating. I had gone maybe 100 yards when I heard the guttural horse noises again. I kept going despite everything. Kelpies be damned. By some miracle, I broke through the woods and stumbled into the clearing, seeing there was a small search group forming to come look for me. Not a soul believed my outrageous tale. And how could I blame them? I needed some time to myself in the wide open after that incident. I decided to go to the ocean and take in the salty air. I needed to be one with nature after nearly losing my life. I recalled the tour guide saying that some Kelpies were after companionship and others had nothing but murderous intent. I let the sun warm my face on the beach as I laughed in relief of not losing my life to something from old legends. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R rion at gmail.com You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as we talk about the bizarre death of Elisa Lamb at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. Was it an accident? Or was it murder? Or was it something even more terrifying? Until next time, stay safe out there because this world is a strange one